your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome everybody. All right, we're talking about this wonderful topic of toxic masculinity and trying to define it. You know, it's amazing, but you know, traditional masculinity is associated with a variety of mostly negative outcomes such as uh, anti-femininity, risk, adventure, achievement, violence, the avoidance of wearing uh, appearing weak, you know, and and Likely, you know, it's due to these rigid norms of traditional masculinity, like the risk-taking and the dominance, that, that the toxic version of masculinity is associated with negative health and social outcomes. And examples of that would be men have a shorter life expectancy than women, they're more likely to die by suicide, and they're more likely, likely to commit violent crimes and be victims also, you know, and and. In this day and age, what's really important to understand is this this topic is one of the topics that's really being discussed when we're looking at what's going on with the persecution of our police force in the sense that the the type of uh, 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 ways in which they police is being viewed as this toxic masculinity, which is in a form uh, being converted to the idea of being prejudiced. And so it's pretty amazing, but you know, you you gotta consider um, the potential reasons for negative associations between your well-being and your masculinity. First, there's about power dominance norms. Uh, Men who have internalized the the power norm may be more likely to take risky and extreme measures like the perpetuation of violence, you know, to establish dominance. And they might seek more risky opportunities to assert their masculinity. And so if the norm of of restricted emotionality can be harmful to the well-being of, of younger guys because it hinders identity development and the formation of new social connections, romantic relationships, establish your own personal identity and, and being able to form a bond with someone that is unique and not uh, uh, prep, uh, propagated by a bunch of labels of what you should be. You know, um, based on the present uh, investigations that so many people are making, of masculine norms, it appears that traditional masculinity can be toxic and harmful and rarely beneficial. But the main positive association is between the masculinity norms of winning and well-being. And to that extent, masculine norms of winning encourage uh, striving towards success, accomplishment, that may enhance one's sense of mastery and of confidence. And in contrast, masculine norms overemphasize power and dominance, and and they restrict the emotionality, and they have multiple sexual uh, partners that may be responsible for the negative associations between masculinity and well-being. So, you know, looking at just at that dynamic, Health professionals often, you know, have to help men who are struggling 
with uh, these masculine norms. Some men won't even go to a doctor because they refuse to because they're too prideful. And so, and God forbid they go to a female doctor, you know, uh, uh, you know, but some people want to assist men cope with the repercussions of challenging their toxic masculinity in favor of adopting a more positive masculinity. And of course, challenging these norms, will is, it's never going to be easy. You know, uh, uh, if you look at, at I think, uh, Glenn Beck, which is a, like a political commentator, he suggested, like Donald Trump is an example of men being men because he married a supermodel, because he fights back and he doesn't flinch. And young men need to learn there's more masculinity than that. And that's important because that not that's not necessarily what's fitting into our time, but it's certainly causing a lot of rebellion and a lot of sense of prejudice because that type of masculinity is coming from a day and age where prejudice was about and has been about, not that it isn't now, but it, but I mean, it, it was propagated by many of that toxic masculinity features. And so, you know, this thing has become a, a really popular term, but only over the past few years, uh, it used to just kind of be very obscure. Um, I, I think there was a guy named uh, Shepherd Bliss, and um, he created some um, mythopedic men's movement in the 80s and it's basically saying that men need to reconnect with their their in emotions and and and, uh, and be more academic oriented and emerge as as something that uh, basically uh, used to explain it's nowadays toxic masculinity is used to explain mass shooting sexual assaults uh, uh, you know, the the Oxford Dictionary uh, word for the word toxic is also there. Google searches for toxic masculinity have climbed a lot since May 2016. You know, more than 9,000, uh, 90,000 news articles, 150,000 videos. I mean, the research on this when I was putting this show together is unbelievable. There's just so much out there on this particular topic. You know, but you have to wonder, how did this get so much traction? You know, I'll tell you, social media really has a lot to do with it. And uh, there's just, there's a sense out there that people so much want to understand what this term is and define it so that they can knock it down and turn it into something healthy. And I believe that that is a very good thing. I'm not saying that men should not be men, and I'm not saying men should be feminine, uh, not that there aren't people, but they should be who they are. They should just be who they are. And, and, and that label, without that label, we can evolve as people and develop a uniqueness for each man and each woman because there's also toxic femininity. You know, what does it mean to be guilty of toxic masculinity? It's, it's really hard to say. You know, uh, it's it's really tossed around a lot, and, and it, it's always difficult to pin down. You know, feminine ideals are fairly consistent. If you look at our history, masculine ideals aren't. You know, so anthropologists claim that there's there's a, you know providing, protecting, uh, procreating, and that's the the uh, modern American manhood. But that's also the localization phenomenon. And and you know this what's interesting about our culture 
in America in particular, we really focus on the idea of rugged individualism. And that came a lot from the idea of when we migrated to the West, the cowboys, all that stuff, the wars that we fought within our own country. There was a lot leaning on the need for that masculinity in order for people to survive. And that's how they viewed it was how to survive. And so we have to look at the idea that this thing nowadays, that we're in a different culture, now that we are in cities, now that we're not migrating, now that we're not fighting for our lives, now that we don't need to be carrying a rifle everywhere we go, we really need to view life in a sense that we're safe. We're not a third world country and we don't need the, the, the overbearing masculinity that oftentimes people have to carry across and believe that that's important, especially if, if your father was uh, raised in the, the 40s or the 30s, they're going to come from that sense of what a man is, especially coming out of World War II. So that, that idea is not a bad thing. All those things are not bad. But what they do is they don't help us evolve in this day and age to something greater. And so that's what I put the show together. You know, men uh, view masculinity as sort of a currency that could be earned and stolen rather than a, a fixed trait. So, so a lot of young kids are working hard to earn manhood and a smaller population of men are preoccupied with protecting their social status. And see, so, so these men, the ones who worry about their masculine status being taken away, demonstrate a tendency to lash out, if not externally, uh, uh, needing to be externally validated. And by contrast, girls tend to view the transition to womanhood as a physical rather than social. So questioning their femininity was unlikely to trigger much more than basically a laugh. So men are quite a lot more anxious about gender than women. And the answer seems to be more cultural than biological. In almost every culture, young uh, boys tend to police each other as they approach manhood. And, and so they, they, they look at specific behaviors that are acceptable and demanding. And in many cases, uh, uh, that, that aspires to creating this masculinity to perform feats of, of social and physical strength. So basically, being a man is ultimately more valued in society, and being a woman is more devalued, at least if you look at it from a sociological expect, uh, uh, perspective. Basically, men are uh, more valued in society. They, they have to watch their step in order not to lose their position as a man. And, you know, I'm not saying that this is what I absolutely believe. What I'm saying is how it is perceived. You know, gender is a performative in, in, in general. Women certainly experience social pressures. They have hierarchies because there's less social status attached to the feminine wom uh, woman. Uh, they may enjoy a lot more freedom and, and fluidity than guys do. And so feminists... Uh, 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 you know, lampooned by their enemies for being too masculine. You know, uh, uh, people are, are uh, women are uh, accused of having a small penis in some places. And they, you know, men who make them uh, uh, struggle to grant the promise that gender roles are oppressive, understanding that they have more to lose. You know, men flee the conversation or prepare to fight. And that's due to how they are identified by their gender. So, you know, this can be a big, big, big struggle 
for young men because there are no true today role models because our social structure is so uh, vastly changing at all times. And so what a man should value in a life and what a woman should value in life these days, as far as behaviors are concerned, as far as values are concerned, is a floating target. And so people are st- are trying to establish what is our new identity as a country, as people, and uh, this and this toxic masculinity really needs to be broken out as to what fits and what doesn't fit. You know, testosterone tends to to take the blame for uh, uh, poor poor male behavior, and it's true that you know if you do have higher t- testosterone, it it is uh, linked to low risk aversion. And, and aggression and violent tendencies. So men with higher sex hormone levels are more sensitive to masculinity threats. And so it, it's interesting that manhood is, is threatened by social rules, by consequences, the policing of masculinity to infor- reinforce the idea that they men have to perform and defend it. And, and men have to be convinced that their manhood is suspect. And this is not, and this is creating a lot of anxiety, especially now that we're looking at the Me Too movement, which has been very pervasive in our culture, turning back the, to the idea that, you know, these type of men need to go away. But, you know, you have to look at what does toxic masculinity mean? What does traditional ideology mean? Well, number one, it means uh, suppressing emotions or, or masking your distress. That's what the, uh, the male is expected to do from this old model. And also maintaining an appearance of hardness and, and violence as an indicator of power, like the tough guy. In other words, you know, toxic masculinity is what can uh, come of teaching boys that they can't express emotions openly, that they have to be tough all the time, that anything other, other than that makes them feminine or weak. But it doesn't mean that at all. That in itself is inherently toxic, and that's what's going to drive that young boy to a therapist one day trying to fit into a culture that he wasn't raised to fit into. In, in, in these cultural lessons, it's, it, those traits have been linked to, to aggression and violence, and then there's an enormous amount of disproportionate risk for uh, school discipline, academic challenges, uh, health disparities, including uh, cardiovascular problems, substance abuse. So, you know, men are overrepresented in, in prisons and are more likely than women to commit violent crimes and are at the greatest risk of being the victim of a violent crime. And, you know, so, you know, I, I don't think it's it's the work of women. I think it's the work of men who need to be talking to ourselves, to our brothers, to our fellow uh, men, to our young men, to our fathers, to our friends. And, and it's it's individual men who are going to have to change how men are perceived. And it's going to take one kid at a time. Toxic masculinity is really tricky and, and it's misunderstood. It can be wildly insulting, even a, a, a slightly bigoted. And recently, if you look at uh, looking about toxic masculinity and its relationship to violence, the term requires a whole lot of uh, contextualization and provokes such strong reactions. Our impulse may be to avoid discussing it with anyone. Um, 
you know, look at what's happening uh, with the George Floyd incident on, on May 25th. I mean, that was toxic masculinity at its horriblest. That was murder in my eyes. I'm not saying it's not been prosecuted yet, but I, I, in my eyes, and I think in most Americans' eyes and people around the world, that was murder by a police officer using toxic masculinity to overpower George Floyd and, and basically demonstrate their power uh, by doing what they did to his neck and choking him to death, basically cutting off his air and he he suffocated. It was it's sickening. But that kind of masculinity needs to be attacked and it needs to be challenged and it needs to be taken on so that we can protect ourselves and expect our police to reflect on what the people they protect are like and what their needs are. They don't need to be choked out unless, you know, the officer has a right to defend themselves and that's a great thing they need to defend themselves there's nobody else out there that's going after the bad guys we have to understand though that if we're going to police we need to police in a way that's not toxic all right we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and take on this toxic masculinity narrow it down and then talk about how the negative things that comes out of it are come about and are, are placed on the people around them. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Listen for Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young. Her show topics cover creating lasting transformation in challenging environments and how creating change can have an impact on the success of individuals from a mind, body, and spirit perspective. It's going to be inspiring and uplifting each week. So tune in on Tuesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel and also listen on the Voice America Business and Influencers Channels. Transformation takes one step at a time. It's time. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. 
Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about toxic masculinity and trying to break this thing out and what's toxic and what's not toxic. But before we can really talk about masculinity or femininity, uh, we really need to get a couple of ideas about gender. Um, There's a lot of research that shows that there's very little difference between the brains of a woman and a man. You know, while gender identity is deeply held feeling of being male, female, uh, another gender, people of different genders, they often act differently, not because of the biological characteristics, because of the rigid social norms created around femininity and masculinity. So, you know, you have to put this this uh, baseline out there to to uh, basically break it out. What I, what I often find interesting is is uh, when people uh, become, let's say, homosexual, oftentimes they flip gender roles, but they take on the old gender roles rather than defining what their gender is in the relationship, in a sense. So some will take on a male, other be the female, whatever. But, you know, not all – some people just fall back on that ideal – and they don't really get to embrace who am I as a person. They become an ideal. And that, that always uh, freaks me out. But the, you know, the phrase toxic masculinity is from a lot of, of, of studies. And, and it's, it's a narrow and repressive description of manhood. And it's designing manhood as, as defined by violence, sex, status, aggression. And it's the cultural idea of manliness, where strength is everything, while emotions are weakness, where sex and brutality are yardsticks, where men uh, basically measure with notches in their bed, you know, uh, uh, and, and while feminine traits, which, which can uh, range from emotional vulnerability to simply not being hypersexual, are the means by which our status as men can be taken away. And so... When we look at uh, discussing toxic masculinity, it's not saying men are bad or evil. The term is not an assertion. What we're attacking is the behavior, not the person. We're attacking the behavior. Does it fit anymore? And 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 so we have to really go there. And so, you know, after decades of study, a lot of people believe that men are not naturally violent. But in culture that that equates masculinity to physical power, some men and boys invariably will will feel like they are are, are failing to be a man. And, and for these particular men and boys, toxic masculinity has has created a vacuum in their lives that can be filled through violence, through the abuse of women the, and of children in their care, through affiliation with with you know uh, groups of masculinity. Uh, through gun violence, by other uh, 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 promise of restored agency, that those things happen. So the stakes of the conversation are really important. And when we talk about it, we, we uh, also need, do not need to insult or injure people. We can talk about the topic and break out the topic and say, do we want this in our lives? You know, uh, there's some signs uh, of people being uh, toxically masculine and manipulative. The biggest one is gaslighting, which is crazy making. And basically, and I've done a couple shows on this, but in, and by the way, they're usually the most popular shows. Um, but gaslighting typically happens very gradually in a relationship. In fact, his actions may seem like they're harmless at first. And over time, then there's this abusive pattern that kind of creeps in and you can become confused and anxious 
uh, isolated, uh, depressed, and can lose all sense of what actually is happening. So, so then you start uh, relying on that abusive man more and more to define your reality, which creates a very difficult situation to escape. And if he says and does things that cause confusion or make you feel like you're crazy, you're being gaslighted. But if you're being gaslighted and you feel self-doubt and question whether or not you're being overly emotional, become insecure in your role in the relationship or you find yourself apologizing for everything that goes wrong in the relationship, it's psychologically dangerous. Get out if you can. Get out if you can. You know, those gaslighters are going to define you and basically they they want to make you into uh, they're narcissistic and they're borderline personalities. So they want to turn you into being crazy so they don't have to face the fact that they're themselves crazy. They take no accountability whatsoever, always moving the cheese to someone else's responsibility and someone else's fault. They also Toxic masculinity includes some of the another behavior, and I'm not saying every single toxic masculine person does all this, but here's another trait. They're unable to see things from your perspective. So they see something or, or that causes you emotional pain. You attempt to explain to them how you feel, but then you're met with a blank stare or annoyance. So, so they're not someone who can see things from your perspective. They're not someone who can understand why their actions had any impact on you negatively or positive. So they're the kind of person that says to you, you know, I'm not responsible for your feelings. So if they cheat, they want you to get over it. And if and if this doesn't show up for a planned, you know, time uh, uh, very quickly to be over with, they don't really care. They just want you to get over it. They don't want to take the accountability for the things that they've done that's impacted your life in a negative way. Also, toxic masculinity can include the uh, uh, hip, hypocritical behavior. You know, do as I say, not as I do. So, you know, they have really high expectations for fidelity, respect, adoration. You know, they, they idolize the idea of... of, of that it's okay for them to cheat, it's okay for them to lie, it's okay for them to criticize, it's okay for them to manipulate. But you're expected to remain perfect, and and you will uh, be promptly replaced and deemed unstable if you don't follow. Another uh, toxic masculine trait is pathological lying. You know, before you even question a person, a guy, about a subject or a situation, they'll have to lie uh a lie ready to tell you. And when they're caught lying, they express to uh, remorse or embarrassment. They just try to lie their way out of the original lie. And so this is, you know, a lifelong effort that they're giving. And, and so are their feelings because they're all fake. Also, uh, toxic masculinity can include uh, focusing on your mistakes but ignoring their own. So they need you to be perfect to view them as perfect in spite of his behavior. So your mistakes will be brought to your attention. They expect you to be remorseful and to make changes as as, as he sees fit. And he, on the other hand, can do no wrong. And you better not forget that. And so can you see how delusional? This stuff is, and it's unhealthy, you know, and not the women don't do this stuff because they do. There's a lot of them out there that do this, too. I believe me, this is just as much some of this stuff that I'm bringing up is just as much uh, uh, toxic masculinity and toxic 
femininity. And, um, you know, they don't have a lot of understanding of respect also, toxic masculine people. Normal people understand fundamental concepts like honesty, kindness. But a toxic man is very childlike in their ability to grasp the concept of not only receiving respect, but returning it. And so they won't respect your need for time alone or time with friends. They they, uh, don't respect your boundaries, your career, your desire uh, to go, you know, be in the bathroom without people watching. You, you, you can tell the person that dinner's at a certain time and then they'll show late. You know, they're downright unmannerly. Uh, they're coarse. They're contemptible. And, and so that kind of person, that's toxic behavior right then and there. You know, and also they always need to be, not always, some of them tend to need to be the center of attention, so oftentimes a toxic guy wants all of your attention 24 by 7. Your life is supposed to revolve around them and they demand for your adoration uh, and it's insatiable, the need for that. And so in reality, the guy has no identity without you and so because you're constantly building him up. And guess what we're looking at? Toxically masculine men need codependent people in their life. That's what they're looking for. And you need, to sign, you need to really understand that. Also, they will assign false emotions to you. They'll dismiss your real feelings and assign you feelings that most often mimic what their feelings. That, that's called projecting, guys. You know, they project uh, is basically a, a psychological defense mechanism in which they attribute characteristics they find unacceptable about themselves. And they put that onto you. For example... They may accuse you of wanting to uh, have an affair or being attracted to a close friend or something. But in reality, it's them who may be having an affair and or, or thinking about an affair, attracted to someone other than you. And they're projecting those feelings of shame and guilt and desire for someone else onto you because subconsciously they know it's wrong but can't emotionally face that in themselves. Also, with toxic masculinity, it's really important to understand um, he, he's probably been caught in enough lies that you'll finally have gotten to the point of believing nothing that he says. But, but you've also learned to doubt your own gut feelings, so you turn yourself into a, a private investigator and start stalking him on, in social media or on his phone. And maybe you're following him after work or driving by his home when when you aren't together. You're seeking answers to questions and doubts you have that that you can't quite explain. And so that desire is something that comes from the idea that this is a toxic person or a toxic man. Another toxic behavior is everyone around you thinks that he is a great person. Everyone but you. You know, there must be something wrong with you if you're the only one questioning his values, his morals, his sincerity, his faith. You know, you, you need to keep in mind that you're the only one engaged in an intimate relationship with that guy and no one sees the side that you see. So his relationships with those other people is superficial and that's why they don't see what you see in the guy. Also, you know, they, they be, begin to, uh, uh, you begin to fear expressing your own feelings when you're around him. You know, normal couples 
argue to resolve issues, but toxic men make it clear that negative conversations will jeopardize the relationship, especially conversations regarding their bad behavior. So any of your attempts to improve communication is typically a result in the silent treatment. You apologize, you forgive quickly, otherwise you know he'll lose interest in you. And that's what he wants to bait you to believe. Also, oftentimes a toxic masculine guy does not respect boundaries. What are, you know, what are boundaries? Well, they're guidelines, rules that, that a person creates to, to basically identify their himself for what is reasonable, safe, and permissible ways for other people to behave around them and, and, and how they'll respond when someone steps outside of those limits. So if he is repeatedly crossing your boundaries, he isn't willing to discuss boundaries with you or even notice that he's a guilt tripping you for even having boundaries. So your relationship is likely very unhealthy and it can become abusive if his behaviors continue. Also, another toxic behavior is belittling and dismissing you. If, you. if you even point the behavior out, sadly, they call you sensitive and crazy. You, may got, you might even begin to feel resentful and upset, but you learn to push away those feelings in favor of maintaining peace. And so they basically will withhold attention, undermine your self-esteem, and after once showering you with nonstop attention and admiration, they suddenly seem completely bored by you. They treat you with silence. They become very annoyed that you're interested in continuing the passionate relationship they created with you, and you begin to feel like a chore to them. And that's sad. It's sad, but these are toxic behaviors in a relationship that you need to be very, very, very aware of. Also, they expect you to be a mind reader. They, they don't communicate their needs or plans, so they get really angry because you failed to do something that they wanted, but you didn't know about, and you're on the hook because you failed to read their minds. So guys like this are, are non-communicators. They're immature romantics who believe if she really loved me, she'd know what I need. But you can't win because they are likely to play the victim. And what better way to do than to leave you to wonder you know, what the hell they want and what they need from you. And it's crazy. But this happens. This happens so often. And, 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 you know, often, oftentimes when you're in a relationship with a toxic man, uh, the, they eventually cause a lot of anxiety. If you find yourself suddenly feeling unexplained anxiety that takes a long, hard look at the dynamics of your relationship with the guy. You know, if you're in a relationship with a toxic man, you're likely uh, uh, constantly stressed out over the state of the relationship, overanalyzing constant conflict in the relationship. You don't need... Uh, meds for anxiety, you probably just need a new romantic partner, guys. I mean, that's all it comes down to. So these are toxic behaviors that we're going through here. You know, also, a toxic man often has a very dysfunctional past, and they have serious mental health problems oftentimes, and they always have someone to blame. You know, uh, uh, if all their exes were, you know, something they call a, a, a female that they don't like, their parents were neglectful, their childhood friends, their work friends are all defective. Uh, you can bet this dysfunctional past isn't about all those people. It's more about the toxic male. And, and he's usually pretty messed up. 
uh, uh, and he's probably messed up a lot of relationships, but he still engages in romantic and other types of, of, of relationships. Also, these toxic men, they love to stir the pot. They love conflict. They're, they're, they're total drama because they're always putting their, their, their thoughts into other people's business and conflicts. They're not happy, and they don't want anyone else to be happy. So they'll not be able to get along with your friends, and they won't have friends of their own because they run them off. And so the guy is basically addicted to the adrenaline rush he gets from engaging in conflict. So if there isn't conflict going on, he'll find a way to start it. That's toxic masculinity, folks. Also, when you first meet, this is a good sign that it's a toxicone, uh, uh, that it's a, a man who's toxic. Things move extremely fast. He tells you how much he's in common with you, how perfect you are. After the first date, they're changing their status, you know, basically in Facebook or whatever they're in to in a relationship. They're, they're constantly initiating communication and, and they, they're usually fascinated with you on every level in the beginning. And, and they're already planning vacations with you and all kinds of stuff. And this is just right off the bat. That's a toxic masculine guy who's trying to entrap you and set an ideal of what he wants you to see in him. They also get very nasty because they compare you to their lovers, their friends, their family members, uh, and your eventual replacements that they're looking for. So they make you feel special by, special by telling you how much better you are than these people. And then they devalue you and use these comparisons to make you feel jealous and inferior. And also, your best qualities, they will turn into your biggest defenses, uh, deficiencies in their mind. All right, we're going to take another break. We're going to come back. We're going to look at a few examples so that we can really break this thing out. And then we're going to get into some of the mind games that are played also. Come back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You 
are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. You know, you can tell there is so much. We're talking about toxic masculinity and defining it, breaking it out, trying to really understand it. But, you know, uh, if you look at when the Me Too movement started in 2017, a lot of it started with uh, the example of Harvey Weinstein's behavior, how he was so aggressive, sexually manipulative, and basically a pretty cruel guy. Uh, no respect for women whatsoever. And uh, and then he, he went after them sexually, bullied his way, raped, he did all kinds of horrible things. But that enraged people, that finally people got sick of that quality in men. And then they started to hunt out every example, public example of men who have done this kind of stuff subtly or not subtly uh, in the past. And so many men felt like there was a witch hunt after them, which there was in some degrees. But the bottom line is, is that women were trying to define and open up the idea that this behavior is no longer acceptable for a man. Then that's moved on once again as we move forward. We're into the Black Lives Matter situation with the police. That's a great, huge example of this behavior as a toxic man can no longer be accepted in the policing of our people in this country. And so the idea is not to attack a man for being a man, but to attack maybe the idea of how he sees himself as a man and projects that on other people in life in ways that are toxic and hurtful, irresponsible, and are not adaptive to the culture that we live in. Sadly, we have to have movements to be able to stop these toxic uh, masculine behaviors, but ultimately the movements die. So what we really have to look for is how we can have a dialogue about what's healthy and unhealthy uh, in our media. So, So they're not just attacking situations they're attacking what's led up to the situation and what is unacceptable and why it's unacceptable. That's what change comes from. Change comes from understanding. And we have a history that we don't need to look back on and think is an awful history, but it certainly has a lot to teach us that there's some behaviors that just don't fit anymore. Sadly, lawmakers are now believing that they have to create laws to make people behave in the right way instead of people wanting to be a better person. You know, but toxic masculinity is a term that's used to reference how our culture perpetuates the the limited idea of what it means to be a man. So masculinity is often associated with, once again, being tough, unemotional, aggressive. But there's also plenty of of examples of toxic masculinity on the day-to-day that fly under the radar. Then they're often a lot more difficult to pick up on, but they're also just as corrosive and damaging. There's really a good amount of attention to the pressure some men feel to express their masculinity in overtly harsh, violent, and toxic ways. 
But, you know, what can be equally harmful is when people of any gender are benevolent, sexist, and, and that can be a lot more subtle and as a result, a lot harder to take away. So benevolent sexism, which that's a toxic feature of toxic masculinity, can look like expecting people who identify as men to, to pay on dates with people who identify as women or, or someone of, of, of less masculine feature. Uh, also defaulting to the idea that women are just better ter- caregivers than men or expecting boys to be wild and out of control and girls to be sensitive and well-mannered. You know, and there's a lot of problems with that. For one thing, men and women, they, they usually get placed in this, this uh, role model or these roles, you know, like, uh, you know, like binary folks who get erased, you know, like, like a trans person or a homosexual, they just get boxed into this role. And, and for, for this uh, script, it punishes anyone who strays from that narrow expectation of acceptable behavior. So sensitive men and outspoken women may be uh, placed in a different place. And, and what happens is the benevolent sexist is the one seeking power, which that's what they want. is And that's what the whole game is about toxic masculinity is having the feeling that they have power. You know, and it makes women more likely to accept their gender inequality. And and so now we have more openly hostile sexism, and it's a lot easier to point it out. But more subtle forms of sexism are also a lot more difficult to explain. They're, they're a lot more uh, difficult to have people uh, take seriously as being something that is, is detrimental. And, and often women are actually more attracted to men who are benevolent sexist. And that's the confusing thing that some women – I'm not saying all women, but, you know, I live in Seattle. There's a lot of sensitive men here and women don't seem to care about that. But, but you know, out, outside in the world, oftentimes women want a real man. Well, a real man doesn't have to be a toxic man. A real man can be a man who has values, who has spirituality, who's humble, who's a decent person, who, who looks after the people that he loves. That's, that's a healthy man, you know, and, and so – uh, but there are studies that show women are more attracted to men who are sexist. It's just sad. But, you know, accept, accepting a lot of the premises about uh, men's innate nature by the, you know, that they're all dogs or that they're violent, they can't handle commitment, they're sex crazed, you know, harms everybody. It allows unacceptable behavior to continue because now it's normalized as, oh, well, that's just what a guy does. And it causes people of all genders to constantly police themselves for signs of gender transgression. So they actually uh, push forward the idea that it's okay to do those things. And it's not. You know, if you hear someone saying it's a guy thing or you witness men, and I've said that before. I know I've done it. So believe me, you know, I'm, I'm not innocent of any of this. Uh, if, if you witness men talking about sex or women in a way that seems competitive or people assigning gender language that erases a lot of the uh, identities and experiences that they have, it, it really does deserve calling out. E- even if someone is enacting in a stereotype, it's also important to remember that it doesn't make it universally true and it doesn't make it okay. And it's just an example of how deeply entrenched these ideas really are in our culture. What's amazing to me, and I'll talk about it in just a little bit if I can get a chance to, is is that 
even the APA, the American Psychological Association, has had to create rules about uh, and, and, and a breakout of understanding of what's acceptable and not acceptable in therapy uh, to teach to uh, uh, molding of a man. And, and so they basically had to put the value system out there in order for people that do therapy to have to understand the difference between a toxic man and a healthy man and how to get them therapeutically to a healthy man. That actually is a real thing and it's it's huge as a big old long document you know masculinity itself you have to understand it's not toxic it's it's only mean that we attach to masculinity that's the problem that's how we make it toxic you know uh, uh, other ways are limited understanding of masculinity and, and who we attribute it to play out in everyday life you know, are the man feels shame when they're crying or expressing emotions. That's sad. They should be able to express emotions. They should be able to cry. Instead, they have to suppress those emotions because it seems like it's unmasculine. Or they have a difficult time expressing or identifying emotions with their partner. And so they struggle to develop as a caretaker. Well, if you're going to have kids, you really have to have a pretty good emotional vocabulary. If you don't, uh, you're going to have a hard time developing a really good rapport with your child. Um, you know, try not to lean on gendered assumptions, such as telling boys to shake it off, but letting girls cry when they're hurt. You know, girls, or, or rather people that they are socialized like that, are generally given many more opportunities to tap into their emotions, share their feelings with other people, be honest, be open, and be less manipulative. Because now you're telling them they have to hide a part of who they are. And that's not easy to do, especially especially if somebody loses somebody in their life that they love very much and they, they've entered it into the grieving process, uh, five major steps of emotions, and now they're embarrassed to show those emotions at any time even though they can't control when they come along. And so now the man feels uh, like less of a man. Well, he's more of a man. You're more of a man if you can express your emotions. And there is a thing called emotional intelligence, and you really need to get it. You need to get it. You need to have emotional intelligence. But that doesn't mean you have to be a Broadway actor. Um, you know, what it means is you learn how to state your emotions rather than demonstrate them. You, you learn how to not use your tone, how to be an adult in a way that you're safe. You say, you know, I'm really angry with you. I'm really upset because you told me you were going to do this, but you didn't do that. You're just using a flat tone and you're, you're stating those emotions. That is masculine and that's feminine and that's adult and that's where we're safe. That's where we're safe. But when you have verbosity where people are trying to parent each other and then they're giving each other a childish reaction, uh, what you're going to find is people are going to constantly fall back into power plays and gender roles rather than having real adult, calm, conflict that is resolved quickly, safely, and efficiently. A lot of people will have the same argument just based on their gender identity for 20, 30 years until finally they realize they're going to have to give up some of their power because maybe their health's given up, maybe they lost their job, maybe there's been so many failures that they really can't live by themselves. And maybe they finally finally develop a, 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 a relationship with Jesus, come to that idea and understand that they need to reflect who he is through their life. And, you know, I will tell you, there's not one toxic feature 
about Jesus. If you study, that is one of the finest examples of what a man should be, period. So intentional self-growth, commitment to change is really important for, for slowly changing your behaviors. Many men don't have that nuanced understanding of what language to use or how anger might feel differently than annoyance or frustration because toxic masculinity. So they just fall back on anger, but actually they're just annoyed or they're just frustrated, but they have the same uh, affect and they go for the anger because they're lazy and they don't want to develop the subtlety of emotions, which makes them safer. And so they'll always fall back on anger, and now everybody's just afraid of them. You know, often people have to slow down, explore themselves as a man, and truly understand what they're feeling and why. So adding that kind of uh, uh, affect to your life is a safe space to get productive feedback without judgment. And and by the way, if you're going to be in a relationship, you need to be willing to hear your partner's perception. And so... A man that is not toxic is a good listener, but he's not just sitting there staring at you. He's validating. He's tracking. He's saying, okay, so what you're telling me is this. If you value what your partner says to you, you're actually developing how God wants you to have a relationship with him. That is your place on this earth where you have a chance to develop and understand how to have a relationship with God. The listener in a conversation is the most powerful person in the conversation. And if a man wants to be powerful, he needs to be a good listener. And that's important. And that's a humble place to be. And it's a beautiful place to be because it makes you safe. Very important to understand that. You know, some men find working uh, with a male therapist can help them feel more comfortable in talking through their challenges while learning how to embrace healthier messages, behaviors without feeling like they're losing themselves or need to edit what they have to say. So it's difficult to fight against the ideals when we're, we're so, they're so pervasive and there's so much out there. And there's more toxic male behavior uh, out there than there is healthy male behavior. So, you know, we have to really look at this stuff. That, that once again, a toxic man is going to do the blame game. Um, they're going to throw out all kinds of gaslighting, making you feel you crazy. They're going to use guilt. They're going to bait and switch. You know, they're, they, they do all kinds of crazy stuff. And that's because they don't know how to find themselves as a man in this culture. Well, a man in this culture is an adult in this culture. And they take responsibility for their life. And they take responsibility for their values. That's our show. You know, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. I'd love to hear from you. And you can do that through our webpage on voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now, remember, the reason women never propose is because if they get down on one knee, the guy starts to unzip. Also remember, a quiet man is usually a thinking man. A quiet woman is usually mad. And also, behind every angry woman stands a man who has no idea what he did wrong. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. That's our show for this week. 
Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 